podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. On this episode, I have here in the studio, Dean Callen, founder of the vocal group Bounding Maine. So welcome, Dean. Thanks for being here with me. Thank you, Allison. Yeah, good to see you. Live and in person. I think you're one of the the few people I've met live and in person for the first time since COVID. And only live and in person, not like online first and then live and in person. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're getting to that point again. Um, So... You are a vocalist, a singer, and um, but but you sing a special kind of music more particularly. Can you tell me a little bit about that first? Absolutely, it's a um, very uh, unique niche of music. It's called maritime music mm-hmm. or sea shanties, mm-hmm. and the history of this is that these were songs sung by sailors on tall ships in the age of sail. And they were rhythmic devices to keep gangs of men, 10 through 40, working in time together to accomplish tasks on board the ship. This is all before mechanical devices were invented. So you had a a team of guys pulling on a line to raise a sail, Mm -hmm. or you had them working a bilge pump to take the water Mm -hmm. out of the hold, or uh, walking around the capstan to raise the anchor. And these all had associated types of songs, collectively called sea shanties. But in the genre, which is still very active all around the world, uh, maritime music, which is the things like Sailing by Criss Cross or Edmund Fitzgerald uh, or Brandy by Looking Glass, uh, these are all songs that are in the genre of maritime music, of which sea shanties are part of that. Yeah, that's so interesting to me. So what time period does this span? Technically speaking, sea shanties, as as we understand them, were collected uh, from sailors around the period of the American Civil War. Uh, certainly work songs existed as long as people have been working together, but they were documented uh, by civilians largely um, And they started listening to the sailors and transcribing and recording their their music. This is an oral tradition, so uh, many songs have been lost, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, the uh, life of the sailor became a popular thing at one Mm -hmm. point, uh, given like Gilbert and Sullivan, Mm -hmm. all of their pieces. And... uh, uh, there's there's been a fascination over the years with the life of the Jolly Jack Tar, and it was never as interesting to the sailor as it was to the civilian. So uh, the the things that we understand to be sea shanties are largely collected from the American Civil War, but some of the ones that we know about date back to the Elizabethan period, hmm. which uh, segues nicely into the Renaissance Fair that we occasionally work at, so mm-hmm. we can... Um, bring the songs to the origin point for the listener. 
Nice. So do they sound like Renaissance music then? Essentially? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I think that uh, uh, when you think of Renaissance music, you'll you'll think of uh, things with lutes and, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 chamber music, perhaps. And uh, sea shanties are bluff and gruff, and they're designed to be loud and uh, to be heard over the wind and waves. So uh, there are groups, both in the U.S. and in Europe, that still perform this music the traditional mm-hmm. way, just a gang of men kind of screaming mm-hmm. the, the, the words and notes. Uh, but the, the contemporary performer is aware of the fact that, that the modern listener doesn't really dig the screaming so much, mm-hmm. so they... Like we have, we have made it our uh, object to take a more contemporary harmonic sound to it, and pull the listener into the the music that way. And then once they start listening to us, they they dig a little bit into it and find that there are other groups performing the music the same way, or uh, like I said, groups doing it the traditional way. And uh, it's a it's a captivating genre. There are. Uh, groups in Chicago and Milwaukee, for instance, that get together to do sea shanties. They just mm-hmm. get together. They're, sometimes they're called sing-outs, but they're uh, groups of people that just like sea shanties, and they get together typically at a bar and drink and sing sea shanties, and it's, it's, a, it's a nice community thing. That's so fun. Have you? So it's, it's kind of like an open mic, but for sea shanties? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, there's a, a term, uh, the shantyman. The shantyman was typically the guy on the ship who knew all the songs. And so he would lead them and uh, uh, improvise uh, verses as long as they needed to to be able to accomplish the tasks. And the, um, the job would end and the song would end. So there might be 200 verses but they'd only get through 20 of them by the time they got done mm-hmm. pulling the lines to raise the sails. Hmm. Wow, that is so cool. And uh, tell me, what gave you the idea, or what got you interested in, in this type of maritime music to begin with? I went to Catholic school, and we had a fairly liberal curriculum. Our music class had some songs, uh, blow the man down. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it at the time, but it was a sea shanty, mm-hmm. and um, uh, other songs that that were either maritime uh, uh, related or proper sea shanties. So that kind of stuck with me. And uh, back in 1995, I was cast as a sea dog at the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> Uh, sea Dogs were uh, uh, English Navy privateers. And uh, for that role, I had to learn sea shanties. And uh, uh, really learned to enjoy the whole genre and started digging more into it. And uh, uh, the opportunity came to uh, put a group together for a small festival. And I kind of grabbed people at random. I, I know a lot of people in environmental theater and so um uh i'm not a professional musician i have to confess so uh i picked people who were really good looking (laughs) (laughs) fortunately 
uh, it, it worked out pretty good. We, we started off with three altos, two tenors, and a bass. And uh, our music director uh, had his work cut out for him. But uh, we made it work. We've, we've done five albums. And uh, yeah. uh, we, we, seem to, we seem to be well-liked in the people that are in the, in the genre. Yeah, so when did the group officially form then? 2003. Okay, got it. So we're, we're, we're able to drive a car now, <laughs> 18 years later. That's funny. So what did, so you the, the first step then was to, to find a music director? Is that what you did first? or how did one, of, one of the guys who had always been involved with um, choral groups and barbershop groups uh, uh, happened to be around when we put the group together for our first gig. And uh, he he joined. Um, it was it was um, kind of like uh, a very ad hoc thing at first. We had a, a group of people that several stayed, several didn't. Uh, but we ended up with uh, John Kravitsky, who's our music director. He's got a dual degree uh, in computer science and and music, and uh, he has taken over the arrangements for our our group. You're taking songs that are pretty monotonous and splitting them into five parts. Mm -hmm. So it's um, uh, given given the vocal range challenges. He's done, I think, a really incredible job. Okay, so that's interesting. That was that, that answers some questions that I had. So you have to arrange all of these yourselves. We do, there, with with some exception. Uh, um, there are some songs that someone else wrote that we will cover and uh nothing's written for five parts so mm -hmm. we always have to uh, customize it to ourselves even songs we write within the group we will uh one of us who has the song will present it to the rest of the group and we'll sing it over and over until we pick out our own harmonies or uh counter melodies so it's it's uh very organic uh, John will take some pieces and give it a treatment, and he's got he's got a very distinctive sound that he's developed through his barbershop group, and um, you can you can hear that in a lot of the songs. We actually have one song that he wrote called Barbershop Shanty, and it is very heavy on barbershop sound. But a lot of what we do is. Um, Almost sounds like show tunes. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, there's a traditional song called uh, "Farewell to Tarwathi," and it is it's epic. It's 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 huge and rolling and big, and um, uh, John John's got a real skill that uh, um, I wish he did more with it because he's he's a genius. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's so great to have. And and how did you go about finding the other members? Was it just people that you knew from the Renaissance Fair, or how else? Curiously, and not by design, every one of the members, at one point or other, did work at the Renaissance mm -hmm. Fair. We have uh, twins in the group, uh, Gina and Christy Dalby, and they used to work with the Falconer at the fair. I had mm -hmm. no idea that they sang, but it, 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 they had. Um, uh, performed at uh, Six Flags. Mm -hmm. um, they had several musical groups that they were involved with. Uh, David Yondorf, he teaches stage combat at Columbia University in Chicago. He's our bass, mm -hmm. and he's just a naturally talented mm -hmm. performer. Um, and we got him 
from a girl who was in the group originally who went on to something else. And uh, uh, we had a, a, another member at the beginning who uh, went on to have a family and then me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a quintet now. Yeah, yeah. And are they all as interested in the maritime music as you are? No. <laughs> For the longest time, one of our one of our jokes has been, "What's a sea shanty?" Because no one knows it like I do. Yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, it, it's become kind of an obsession. Yeah. Um, and there are things like uh, talking about how sea shanties work. We've got a a bit in our show where I will tell the audience what's going on, and uh, we it, we stick a lot of humor in our show because it's sea shanties you've got to. <laughs> and um, so while I'm explaining what sea shanties are, they're kind of mocking what, what the actions are. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great deal of fun. Nice. And uh, where would, I mean, so you, you perform at Renaissance fairs, but uh, where else have you performed? Well, it's interesting. Renaissance fairs are, are where we got some of our earlier shows. But it's not our target market. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to do uh, maritime events, like the tall ship mm-hmm. events when they come into town. We do a lot of maritime museums. Uh, there are corporate parties that we've done, mm-hmm. maritime-themed events. And, uh, of course, a few years ago when we got started, the Pirates of the Caribbean was huge. Mm-hmm. So oh, we did sure. a lot of pirate events. Oh, man. Even, even though... Uh, to a kid, every tall ship is a pirate ship. Sure. And even though, you know, it's not. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, it, it's fun, and you, you never had a ship without the music. Mm-hmm. So we are we fit right in with the tall ship events, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's what we like. We like to, to be involved with um, things that fit with the theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there... Um a waning interest in the pirate theme uh, these days. Uh, the, the Pirates of the Caribbean were very popular for a while. Yeah, it, they they're still doing sequels, but I don't think it's it's quite as uh, popular as it as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Which in some ways it's okay because um, I, I'd like for more people to be interested in the maritime mm-hmm. part of it rather than the pirate part of it. Right. All pirates were sailors, but not all sailors were pirates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And and you've you've taken this show on the road. Like you've you've toured all over, right? We have. It's uh, uh, a very fortunate thing that when the uh, tall ships hit the Great Lakes, they go all around the Great Lakes. So we've done up in Duluth. We've done in Chicago, Green Bay, and uh, we've done down to uh, uh, St. Louis. Uh, so all over the, the Midwest, we've gone up to uh, Quebec and performed mm-hmm. up there. And a lot of huge festivals are located in Europe. Mm-hmm. Europe is still very aware of their maritime mm-hmm. heritage. So you'll get some festivals. Uh, uh, the last one we were at was in Poland, which has one of the oldest maritime festivals, fairly large. Um, the one from this oh, okay. this event had 190,000 people over the weekend. Oh, nice. And Dean is pointing to his shirt right now. It says the the Brittany... I can't, I can't pronounce that word. Yeah, it's... They're all... One is the word for, for 
the province of Brittany okay. in English and then in French and then, uh. in, then in the, their native language. Brittany considers themselves the fourth Celtic nation. Uh. So they speak a form of Celtic. Oh, okay. That's and, why I can't say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Breeze. Um, and this was from from our tour in uh, uh, France. Wow. That was great. So we've been to um, uh, Cornwall, which also is kind of like, yes, we're England, but we're not. They're, they also have the a, a strong Celtic identity. Um, so Cornwall, uh, Netherlands, mm -hmm. six times, France, Poland, Germany. Uh, and then there are other festivals we haven't yet been to in uh, Sweden and the Netherlands and other places. Wow. And are these festivals maritime festivals? They are. Okay. They are they're maritime and folk festivals. Okay. Um, uh, there's there's a, a, a strong knowledge of the maritime festival, but they're also aware that uh, for some audiences, you want to bring in folk music as well. So they, mm -hmm. they try to uh, draw that in. In the fall, we're doing a festival in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is an old, um, long-running uh, folk and maritime festival. Mm -hmm. So that seems to be the way they they do those. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. So the other musicians that appear at these groups, are they similar to what you do, or are you still very different to, to the other ensembles that you run across? It's interesting because um, we used to do all of our shows in Elizabethan costume ah. because it was different. Yeah. And, and, uh, and since that time, um, I think our, our first event was in 2008 in Germany. And since that time, I think that there are more and more costumed groups, uh, more 18th century than, sure. than uh, 15th century. But... Uh, more groups are, are identifying themselves with the uh, history of it through the through the costumes, which uh, some people love, some people hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I think the important thing is we're out to entertain the audience. We're not necessarily out to lecture on history. Mm -hmm. So we want people to have fun, and if they get a little education in there, that's great too. Mm -hmm. Nice. So. You said you're not a professional musician, but you are very much a musician. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, so can you tell me a little bit about your musical background? Sure. Um, I uh, did uh, an annual musical show at school when I grew up. Mm -hmm. So and I was, was that always, around here? Uh, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, uh, I started performing at the Renaissance Fair when I was 16. Mm -hmm. And during the 80s, uh, the uh, very anachronistic show always had some sort of musical element. So we we had uh, five or six musical numbers every season that we would do. And uh, in the 90s, again, when we um, were doing the uh, maritime theme, uh, we learned how to do sea shanties. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've been doing music as part of theater mm -hmm. for most of my life. Mm -hmm. And then um, for the last 18 years, I've been doing Bounding Maine, which mm -hmm. has kept me very busy and 
singing a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you more theatrically trained then? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I used to do some shows in Chicago back mm-hmm. in the 80s. What kind of shows? Um, one of them was called Time in a Battle. It was a stage combat show because that's that's long been the thing that I, I did. I've been a, um, um, a actor combatant, so that was, yeah. that was kind of the thing. If you're working at a Renaissance fair, you're going to do <laughs> stage combat as well. Fun. What kind of training did you have to go through for that? Well, uh, each of the uh, seasons has uh, training of itself, and um, uh, there's a, a, a group that uh, uh, the SAFD, it's a Society of American Fight Directors, they're very strong in that type of environment, and uh, you, you join and you take classes and things like that. I trained with a separate group called the Ring of Steel, which has since gone dormant, but uh, the group trained amongst themselves and uh, uh, all year round they basically prepped for the shows that they did, including mm-hmm. the Renaissance Fair. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so cool. So so singing was really part of the thea- theater culture for you, um, but, uh, but you found yourself leading a singing group, or found founding one essentially <laughs> yeah yeah so can you tell me i mean so so this podcast is kind of directed more at learning the business of of music and everything but uh what i would really enjoy about what you do and have done is that um you've really kind of doubled down to this niche type of music which is uh can be really smart and and sometimes lucrative and um i don't know can you just tell me uh, speak to me about that um i mean because it's it's uncommon to come across um you know the maritime music but there are people that really seek it out is that correct that is absolutely correct um early on i thought that we would do one or two gigs a year Mm -hmm. because it's like how many people want to hear maritime music a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was very surprised. And once I became aware of that, I started um, uh, targeting uh, venues that we would succeed in. And I remember I used to be mocked at our early meetings because uh, rehearsals, uh, because I said, you know, we're going to be doing shows around here. We're going to be working all year. We're going to be touring Europe soon. And people were like, you're crazy. And I said, you watch. And I was right because I, I became aware of the fact that so many of these festivals in Europe brought over talent from America. And uh, we were doing something fresh, and uh, uh, we became uh, uh, desirable to have at festivals. So that was really cool. In fact, one, one year we were at a festival in the Netherlands. Um, uh, it was called the uh, Be Deep uh, International Shanty and Maritime Festival. And uh, the mayor of the city did an opening announcement and says, America is in the house. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that was very cool. So you represented all of the U.S. Yeah. 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 Was that common? Were you off in the U.S. representation? It's, it's expensive to bring people over mm-hmm. from America to Europe. And they don't bring a lot over at any one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there have been other other groups, of course, that have traveled when we weren't there. And uh, uh, in Poland, 
uh, we met another American. Uh, his name was uh, Simon Spaulding. He's on the East Coast in New Bern, uh, uh, North Carolina, and he is a musical genius. He's uh, a maritime music uh, expert. He knows all about early instruments and early music, and uh, we're very lucky to have been able to meet him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the that's the really cool thing about this genre is that it's not pop music, so it's not just syllables. It's the, everything's got meaning, everything's got history, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, um, if you can hook into that and understand how fans of the genre think, you can create a package like uh, our one sheet has a photo of us in our contemporary uh, maritime smocks Mm -hmm. and then our Elizabethan outfit. And uh, when you see the places that we've been and the places that we've done, you see maritime museums, maritime Mm -hmm. festivals, tall ship festivals, people who dig this know that we are the real thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, nothing, nothing breeds success like the appearance of success. Very true, yeah. Uh, I, I used to work for a guy who had uh, an import business, and he had a private jet. Not because he needed a private jet, mm-hmm. but because his customers really liked his private jet. Mm-hmm. And the lesson from that was, if you don't be shy about what you're doing, if you're doing something that's cool and popular, tell everybody about it. Um uh, videos have gotten to be endemic now, mm-hmm. but we uh, have tried to do a strong outreach to all of the venues that we could appeal to, uh, both through print and uh, email and now video, um, trying to make what we're doing as well known as we possibly can, to the point of doing press releases when we're we're doing new That's shows. That's great. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. And you mentioned the one sheet. So can you talk to me about that? Um, what do you include on that? Oh, I think the standard template for a one sheet is uh, a photo, mm-hmm. obviously, so people can, can see uh, who you are and by us what we represent. Um, you talk about your uh, events that you've done your uh, CDs, Mm -hmm. the radio stations you've appeared on. We've been featured in both films and television shows. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, the museums that we've appeared at. So that's cramming a lot of information on one page. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, of course, how they can reach you, you know, Mm -hmm. your website, your email address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, and I was asking you about that because I think in the different interviews that I've done on here, you're the first person who's really mentioned that, the one sheet. And I was just thinking, you know, I everyone just talks about their websites or social media, and no one really thinks about the physical piece of paper very much anymore. And uh, do you carry something like that with you to I, events? I, I, I try to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've got... Both the uh, the contemporary and the Elizabethan mm-hmm. one sheet that I like carry with me, mm-hmm. because if <laughs> we got booked in uh, France because the director of the festival in France was at the festival in Quebec, and 
he saw us there and that's how he got us booked so you're your best salesman <laughs> just by by your presence and uh uh if you can give somebody something to remember you by even better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no thanks for talking about that and you said you were at museums too what kind of Yes. Uh, well, there's it, Wisconsin's fortunate that it has two maritime museums, mm-hmm. one in uh, Manitowoc and the other in uh, Sturgeon Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a third one up at Gills Rock, but they don't have any any kind of entertainment. Um, we have performed uh, typically for exhibit openings like um, the Wisconsin uh, Public Museum, had the um, National Geographic touring exhibit that went around, and we were hired for the opening dinner and the opening day mm-hmm. of that festival. Um, uh, again, when you specialize, mm-hmm. people want that. Yeah. And, and if you do that, it you you may not be able to um, perform in the Howard Johnson restaurant yeah, every yeah. night, <laughs> but that's that's okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> because uh the reality is we all have day jobs as well sure and uh as the years have gone by each of our day jobs has become a little more uh involved Mm -hmm. so it's harder and harder for us to gig so that when we do it's got to be one that we really like yeah it's got to be worth it for sure yeah yeah and um you have it sounds like you had a a very clear plan when you were kind of putting this together you had goals for yourself did you have almost kind of like a a business plan put together when when you were were starting this group for my day job i've been a sales and marketing (laughs) person so yeah i i I had the whole campaign Mm -hmm. kind of uh worked up uh and i knew what kind of media that i needed to be able to create Mm -hmm. and i was uh doing videos and um uh, posters and things like that for gigs from mm-hmm. the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, not every group can do that, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the fact is, a lot of the stuff I didn't know when we started, mm-hmm. but I taught myself. And uh, uh, I have no free time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Your free time is this, yeah. Uh, and, and, and literally, uh, I can spend literally all day uh, do the day job and then spend the rest of the day doing bounding main mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah, it can be very consuming, but it can be very fruitful, um, you know, despite that. So what kinds of things did you end up teaching yourself? Um, I had done industrial videos, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, basically just showing uh, CNC machines in in action, and uh, I I had to teach myself how to do a people video. something that appealed to people watching music rather than people watching machinery. Mm. And uh, uh, I had to learn a new suite of video editing software. Mm. Uh, I also taught myself how to do Photoshop. I'd been a Corel guy, Mm -hmm. uh, but I realized I had to step up. And then um, through some of the work that I've done uh, as a consultant, I was able to get a modest priced Photoshop package, okay, which helped enormously. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, one of my mentors in in the music business, uh, David H. V. Drake, he's he's in Milwaukee. He's been doing folk music for about forty years. Uh, he taught me how to do mail marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been like the pro 
he still, even though he's retired, he still sends out postcards mm -hmm. to all of his mailing addresses. Uh, at one time, he kept a dance company of his wife's in uh, operation, plus his own folk music, just through all the gigs he was able to book for himself. Wow. So if you're industrious and you really like what you're doing, you can stay very busy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. Wow, that's amazing. And so you have been your own marketing team, essentially. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Do the so, other members have different roles? Uh, yeah. We, um, um, John, of course, ha keeps himself occupied mm -hmm. with the uh, arrangements and, and printing and distributing mm -hmm. the music. And uh, uh, Gina has a very good business sense about her, so she handles a lot of the, uh, the newsletters and the uh, insurance, mm -hmm. which a lot of the gigs require we have. Uh, Christy manages the trips and the uh, business meetings. So it, everybody stays uh, very occupied and very engaged in the, the business of the, mm -hmm. of the band. Mm -hmm. Nice. And can you tell me some of the lessons that you've learned along the way while, you, while you've had Bounding Maine? Gotta love what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I think that we've seen other people uh, performing and they're, they're performing, and it seems like they don't have a sense of engagement with the audience. They're, they've got their hands shoved in their pockets. They're staring at the stage in front of them, and they're singing. And they may be singing very well, but nothing interesting to look at. Mm -hmm. And uh, years ago, there was a group that I saw called the Jean Galours. They mm -hmm. were a magical group, but they were magic. They mm -hmm. were so engaged with the audience. They were always in motion. They always had great facial expressions. And they were inspirational to me because I, I knew that you, you couldn't just sing. Mm -hmm. you, had to, you had to entertain. And by keeping that engagement in the shows, the audience stayed with you. Mm -hmm. The audience paid attention and really got into what you're doing. And uh, you, you got to love what you're doing because mm -hmm. it, it shows, it engages the audience. The audience is putting that energy back to you. And every, every show that you can light up like that is mm -hmm. just a, a success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very well said. Yeah, and particularly in vocal and choral performance, um, as opposed to instrumental, like people are watching you, they're staring at you the whole, I mean, yeah, the, you are the show, so you need to <laughs> show yeah. your excitement, yeah, more than anything else, right? Uh, do you spend time on that within the group, on just the mannerisms? You know, uh, there are uh, just a few mm -hmm. uh, set pieces that mm -hmm. we do, uh, but most of it seems to just be self-generated. Mm -hmm. We uh, we have a great deal of fun. We have, mm -hmm. we have a, a lot of improvised humor. We'll tease each other, and uh, uh, the audience gets involved with it. We've, we've got our fan base is called the Bounding Maniacs. <laughs> and they'll come and they'll throw Chips Ahoy cookies at us, and they'll throw lifesavers so at us. Funny. Yeah, they're just, they're marvelous. Um, and we've, it's interesting, we were just at um, a high school graduation in Janesville this last weekend. The kid, 
was born about the same time the band was. Okay. And he spent all of his life listening to our shows. Wow. Now he's about to start college, and he's listened to us the whole time. Wow. Yeah, it's it's we've had uh, another uh, family that, where they were born listening to our music. Wow. So it, you you get uh, such an appreciation of how important the fans are to what you're doing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, wow. it's it's magical. <laughs> you have your own fan club called the Maniacs, the, the Bounty Maniacs. That's hilarious. <laughs> and the, the Chips Ahoy thing is, oh, my gosh, I love this. <laughs> this is so fun. I had no idea. Uh, and now I know what to bring when I see you. <laughs> uh, this is great. And, and um, what would you say are um, some of the things? Would you, if someone else was going to start a group, uh, an ensemble of this type, what would you recommend to them? What are, or, or even just in, in music in general, what what would you recommend to the the up and coming musician? The interesting thing that this has taught me, as we talked about before, is specializing is important. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I had a friend who was doing a uh, rockabilly group, mm -hmm. and I thought that was like the greatest idea because. Not a lot of people are doing mm -hmm. that particular genre. And while you can't do it at the Holiday Inn every night, mm -hmm. somebody wants a, a rockabilly group. Mm -hmm. And so if you spend your time making sure that everybody knows that you're the rockabilly group to contact, mm -hmm. you're going to get action. And uh, uh, you've got to make the sound true to your abilities and... You've got to pay attention to what the audience enjoys because you can be technically accurate and just as dull as sin. Mm -hmm. But if you're having fun, even if you goof up, we used to have a, used to have a sign that said weakest link. Mm -hmm. So if one of us made a mistake in the songs, <laughs> we'd hand them off the sign and they'd have to wear it for the rest of the song. That's hilarious. So it was all transparent. Yeah. And, and we had fun, and that's the main thing. Yeah, uh, I think some some a lot of people, not just entertainers, take themselves too seriously. Yeah, and you just have to dust it off and have fun and yeah. enjoy it, and it all comes back to you. Yeah, yeah, well said. Yeah, and that makes sense. When I when I was asking how to introduce you before, you said I asked if you were an ensemble, and you said no, and that's too formal for you. <laughs> now it's all starting to make sense. <laughs> it's a group, yes. Um, but uh, and then I was going to ask you, where it, is is there a particular venue that you've really enjoyed performing at more than others? Well, I'll tell you, it's hard to not enjoy any of the venues in Europe mm -hmm. because the the, uh, the Cities that are so rich in maritime heritage um, are also incredible tourist destinations. Uh, uh, in Cornwall, uh, a town called Falmouth has a big maritime festival, and that's always going to be uh, particularly important in my mind because my dad was stationed in Liverpool, England during World War II, and I didn't find out until about 10 years ago that I had a half-sister from his marriage. <laughs> and I met her for the first time at wow. that festival. And that was so great. Uh, plus, it's a really neat um, venue, too. Uh, right on the water, on the, the very southern coast of uh, England. And uh, um, just as beautiful as you, as you could want. Mm -hmm. um, so... 
favorite venue, hard to say because there's so many amazing ones. Uh, the Netherlands. Netherlands is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Flying in either in the morning or in the evening with the sunrise uh, reflecting off of all of the canals over the city. It's just nothing like anything you mm -hmm. see here in the States. So um, uh, those those places are all just in, incredible. Mm -hmm. I guess any place there's a good audience that loves you. <laughs> <laughs> that really appreciates you. Yeah. And what do you have look, to look forward to this year? Well, we're very fortunate. Uh, uh, the Portsmouth uh, Festival is looking like it's going to go live this season. Uh, they had to not go live like so many did last year. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to that because it is a very venerable and well-respected festival. And it's, uh, it's, it's uh, nice to be able to go to a place that has some authority in the genre. And uh, uh, we're, we've never been out on the East Coast, so this is going to be a, a, a great adventure for us. Um, we're doing a private event at the Maritime Museum. Uh, the entertainment director at that museum, the events director at that museum, had retired, but she's having her wedding anniversary party there. So it'll be really nice to go back because it's a little behind the scenes, which mm -hmm. you don't always get the opportunity to do, and uh, celebrate with somebody who was there for us in the very beginning. And uh, uh, again, it's that family thing where somebody becomes so engaged in what you're doing mm -hmm. that they bring you into their lives. So that's, we just love that. Yeah. And then, of course, um, the Bristol Renaissance Fair is going live this season, and we're booked for three weekends in August. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that's that's great because it's right in our backyard mm -hmm. and uh, easy to get to, uh, five shows a day, and uh, where we know that the audience is going to be really screaming to be entertained because they've been dormant for a year <laughs> and a half. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It's exciting to see everything coming back now. Yeah. Yeah. And then I asked you to um, submit a uh, piece of music that uh, is maybe original to yourselves. And, and there's one that you wrote yourself called Call of the Sea. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit about that? One of the things that has been a uh, very important fact uh, of learning about the sailors in the old days is that you were as likely to die at sea from disease as you were from uh, combat or anything else. Uh, if the storms didn't get you, the sickness would. Uh, you know, people talk about scurvy, but that was a real thing. More sailors died from scurvy than any battle ever. So uh, to, to go to sea was like a death sentence. So it make you wonder why these guys would ever even consider it. Uh, there is a part of maritime law, a salvage law, that, that has um, to do with capturing enemy ships. The, the term for that is a, a prize. And uh, traditionally, the prize is split amongst the entire crew. And when that happens, if your crew on a ship that captures a wealthy prize, you can go from an absolute pauper to being wealthier than you could ever possibly imagine. And I, and I realized that 
it's that gamble, it's that risk. And then thinking, too, in Elizabethan times, uh, England was in a state of poverty. Uh, it was very hard for people to live. Crime was rampant, and it was, it was um, almost better to, to engage in an adventure at sea than to stay home and starve. Mm -hmm. So uh, this song is about Drake's circumnavigation of the, the globe. It was um, purportedly partly in secret with the queen because uh, they didn't want Spain to know that he was circumnavigating the globe. Spain had a, a vested interest in keeping England out of their territories in the Americas. And of course, uh, Elizabeth didn't want to engage in war, but she did want territories. And so Drake claimed California for England, New Albion. And uh, uh, this shocking three-year voyage encapsulated for me the story about a young man who was in love with a girl, didn't have any money. And the only way he could afford to marry her was to take this risk. He said, I could die, but I could also get rich. Mm -hmm. And he took that risk, and in the song, um, he, he does uh, capture money and, and comes home with it. But uh, because so much time has gone on, the girl that he wanted to marry thought he was dead because he was, it was a secret voyage and no one knew that they were still alive and still sailing around the world. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a happy, sad thing because mm -hmm. he succeeds, but at the same time, she's already married and had a kid with somebody else by the time he gets home. So it's, uh, it's kind of encapsulating the life of a sailor taking the risk mm -hmm. and winning and losing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, and I bet you've learned so much about history from doing all of these. <laughs> well, I've always been a, uh, a history aficionado, yeah. uh, but it's allowed me to focus on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this particular thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I, we've been fortunate that we've been able to sing on tall ships at these festivals. Uh, we've we've uh, gone out on day sails, uh, shanty sings, mm -hmm. and... Uh, uh, meeting the crews, those are the cool people. Those mm -hmm. are the really uh, amazing folks that that live like the sailors used to do, as, such as Coast Guard rules will let them. Uh, but they, uh, uh, those are really cool people. Mm -hmm. Nice. Is there anything that we didn't discuss that you'd like to mention today? I think that everybody should sing. I think <laughs> everybody should go to a sea shanty sing out. Uh, uh, again, there's there's one in uh, Milwaukee, there's one in Chicago. They're all over the United States, and I think that uh, uh, a community lifting their voices up together to have fun, uh, I think there's that's so important. I think uh, I think uh, building a community together is so important. We've made so many good friends mm -hmm. by by doing this music, and and uh, it's available to everybody. Mm -hmm. Very well said. Thank you, Dean Callen, founder of Bounding Maine. Uh, thanks so much for being here with me today. Thank you, Allison. When I was a boy, a Draymond son, I loved a girl so sweet and fair. I had no means to make her my own, and so this vow I did swear. 
I'll sail across the sea to raise a fortune for you to wed me. Sword and shot are nothing you see until I come home to thee. I sailed away with Drake and my mates to give the Spaniard a living hell. A treasure was won, much silver and gold, but then we sailed around the world. A portrait of you was tucked in my heart as we rode past those foreign shores. Your beautiful eyes, your raven hair, it was your smile that guided me home. I'll sail across the sea to raise a fortune for you to wed me. Wind and wave are nothing to me until I come home to thee. More than three years had finally gone by when we to England were welcomed home. To my darling I strode my sea chest and toe, a fortune secure I'll never more roll. After two years, this woman I loved had surely thought that I was done. Then at three years, a husband she chose to be a father to a son. I'll sail across the sea to raise a fortune for you to wed me. Time and tide do not affect me until I come home to All those long years spent fighting the sea Now all my dreams like mist are gone I'll bid you great joy with this man that you wed But the pain of your loss I cannot bear long A purse of gold coins and a single red rose Was my parting gift to you from me I'll leave the dry land a ship owner now if I can't be with you, I'll marry the sea. Oh, I'll sail around the world to be by your side forevermore. Fearless green is my final shore, my love forever gone. Oh, I'll sail across the sea to raise a fortune for you to and me. I'll write you a song to remember me. Oh, remember me until I come home, until I come home, until I come home to so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansadventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. The Musicians Venture podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again. <laughs>